Walks like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal. Come here, the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan's Trust. My guest today is Anthony Damiano, president and co-founder of the Alliance for Earth, Life, Liberty, and Advocacy, IELA, a nonprofit committed to raising awareness and cultivating change of a broader slate of issues than most organizations undertake, often focusing their efforts on where those issues intersect, for example, animal agriculture and environmental degradation. Major ongoing IELA campaign is StopCrush.org, which seeks to ban crush videos, a uh, horrid brand of pornography that blends animal cruelty and human depravity. We'll discuss all this and more when we speak with Anthony Damiano in a few moments here on Talking Animals. And at a few points in today's show, we'll hear animal songs from some of the 60 bands performing this weekend at Tropical Heatwave WNS Music Festival Extravaganza taking place across Ybor City this Friday and Saturday, May 9th and 10th. To go to both nights that I mentioned 60 bands performing, including The Hold Steady, Joseph Arthur, Black Taxi, Bright Light Social Hour, Hayes Carl, The Hip Abduction, Loris Vidal, Sons of Hippie, and dozens of others, cost you a mere $40 in advance. Hell, you practically can't afford not to go. On top of being tons of fun, this is a major fundraiser for WMNF, which supports the station and its programming, including Talking Animals. To get your tickets or wristbands, in this case, please visit WMNF.org or call Miss Julie here at the station, 813-238-8001. Bought my wristband last week. I'm going both nights, and I can't wait. This is the point in the show where we typically hear an animal song, so in this case, let's do so courtesy of a heat wave band called Good Grave with White Horses on Talking Animals.
That was White Horses by Good Grafe, one of 60 bands holding forth this Friday and Saturday in Ybor City as part of WMNF's Tropical Heat Wave. Get your tickets at WMNF.org or by calling 813-238-8001. Let's move now into our discussion with Anthony Damiano, President of Alliance for Earth, Life, Liberty, and Advocacy, with a reminder that we invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing us at dj at wmnf.org, or texting us at 813-433-0885. Let's welcome Anthony Damiano to Talking Animals. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Duncan. It's good to be here. Thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. And uh, Now, most interviews wouldn't start the whole conversation with by far the most significant question. Still, here it goes. What is the proper pronunciation of the acronym? I've heard it at least two ways, depending on how folks handle the uh, the double L. Ayala. Ayala. Okay, good. That's. I think that. I think I had it pretty good. I. I think I was going Ayala, but I think that's because I heard a couple people say it. So we'll go Ayala. Now I can move on and uh, have less sleepless nights about the pronunciation. Perfect. So. Um, Anyway, all right, so let's, uh, we'll, we'll, of course, you know, circle back to t- discussing the organization itself, you know, in a moment or two. But first, uh, let's hear a little bit about your history. Where did you grow up, and in what ways were animals important to you as a, as a kid in your formative years, et cetera? Well, I actually grew up um, not far from New York City uh, in New Jersey, just across the river. Um, and to be honest, animals uh, other than, you know, cats and dogs really weren't in my life. I, I'd never even seen a cow until I reached my teenage years, <laughs> because it just uh, it never crossed into my life. And I never really thought about um, some of the things that I understand today. I, I don't think I was ever really exposed to it. As I started to uh, grow older, and I started to get environmentally concerned and politically concerned, uh, well, as far as the political stuff goes, I w- I've been disillusioned, I don't know how many times, which I, you could probably understand. But when it came to uh, environmental issues, I started uh, writing about some of the, uh, the things that I saw, the problems in the world. And uh, with the advent of the Internet, it became easier to reach people. Um, we had, you know, blog sites, MySpace, all that before Facebook came around and things. Uh, and I'm the kind of person who, who digs when I'm trying to find out what is really going on, what, what the real problems are. And the more that I dug into the environmental issues, the more I kept coming to the same source of the actual root of the problem, which was animal-based agriculture. It just, it all led me to the same cause. The the most pressing and most destructive force on this planet is humans employing animal-based agriculture, especially billions of humans. So it sounds like if I follow your your sort of bio there, as you outlined it, that you started off kind of more focused in, in digging and writing about environmental issues, which then, of course, deposited you almost inevitably at animal agriculture. Exactly. And, and it's not just that. I, I don't really throw it in just as animal agriculture. I, I think, uh, as Ayala, when, when Marla and I uh, founded Ayala, it was under the direction that we were going to go toward targeting all the exploitations of life. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about all the isms as well as speciesism, talking about racism, you know, uh, even biases against you know, spiritual uh, ideology and non-spiritual ideology, cultures, um, sexism, all of it. It's all a negativism that exploits life, and they're all interconnected when you really look, look at the subject. I mean, when you look at our 
current human society, everything is a patriarchal uh, dominant view. And I think we could use a little bit more matriarchal view, a little bit more reason and compassion, uh, different things that we could change about the way that we treat life and understand life. So I think that they're all, as life is all connected, this is not just some kind of hokum and euphemism. This is real scientific fact. You know, everything on Earth, all life is connected. What we do to fish, what we do to animals, what we do to the trees, it all affects us. Well, absolutely. And and so I, I want to come back really in, in a, a moment because in a sense, you're kind of almost laying out the, uh, the sort of rational and guiding principles behind Ayala. But but let's uh, let's let's just trace a little bit further your, your path okay. before you helped launch the organization. Once you sort of had, had traveled it from really digging into the environmental issues, writing about those, seeing what's going on. And and finding yourself hit by uh, animal agriculture and other related things. What where where did your path, at least as an activist, take you? Kind of more immediately there, and then we'll sort of wind up the launching of uh, Ayala. So you're sort of uh, looking for the the moments that tried that sort of pushed me toward activism. Well, yeah. Sometimes it's a moment. Sometimes it's it's a cumulative uh, set of moments. So it's just yeah. But it's always interesting to, when when folks do what you do to sort of chart chart that that course a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it was definitely an accumulation of moments. But if I had to choose specific moments that really really switched me, I uh, over ten years ago. I was at uh, I was at SeaWorld, and um, when you say at SeaWorld, what does that what does that mean? I was visiting SeaWorld. Okay. I wasn't even vegan at this time. So. Okay. Um, this was, yeah, this was probably about, oh, I want to say close to 15 years ago. I don't even remember, to be honest. Okay. No, uh, I thought when you said at SeaWorld, I thought, okay, yeah. if you're working there, we have a whole other conversation no, to have. No, but no, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, go ahead. Uh, and I was going through that wild Arctic uh, attraction that they have, and it, it wasn't, it was, it was actually really new, if I remember correctly. I can't even, you know, I don't even know how they work. And I, we'd, we'd seen a lot of the different animals uh, and, and we came up to this uh, beluga whale that was behind a tank all by herself. And she was pushing this beach ball up onto the shore, this plastic shore that was, you know, meant to simulate ice. And she was just pushing the ball over and over. And I, I sat there and I watched that whale for, you know, a good 10 minutes just standing there. And by the end of the 10 minutes, you know, I had tears coming out of my eyes because I came to a realization about her predicament, her being locked in this fish tank. And it just, it, 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 was, a, it was a very profound moment for me. I, and I never went back to SeaWorld after that, obviously. It was a really profound moment for me. It really pushed me. You know, I, I was never really a huge meat eater. I'd, I'd always been, you know, a, a fish and tofu and vegetables kind of person. But that really changed my views about animals in general. It, it really sparked something inside me that said exploitation is wrong you know wrong what we're doing is wrong so that was one of them well that's really interesting too because so many people that 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 you hear about and read about, and of course, many people that have been on the show have talked about where things change, especially if, if uh, they embraced veganism, that had more to do with farm animals, either direct experiences, indirect experiences. So it's really interesting and, uh, and sort of notable. You, your moment in that way came at SeaWorld with a b- b- beluga whale that was sort of forlorn and pushing this uh, beach ball sadly back and forth. Well, I think that for me, I, I think that I, I, I came to the realization quickly that it doesn't matter if it's a whale, it doesn't matter if it's a seal, it doesn't matter if it's a dog, it doesn't a cat or a cow or a chicken. Yeah. And I, I also, you know, got involved with uh, working with birds, and I saw how lovable they were. 
I, I saw this was another issue that pushed me over the edge. You know, I saw how uh, how family oriented, how social they were, how much they loved all the humans that interacted with them, and and you could see the love. So it was easy for me to see that all animals have these capabilities. So so it sounds like you were starting to to, to sort of these sort of strands of your experience that early on environmental concerns and some of these things about animal agriculture, the SeaWorld experience, the bird experience. So this all started to kind of inform your your uh, your sensibility. And, and where does that place us on a, on a timeline, uh, essentially, then be uh, prior to launching ALA? Was that, was there, you know, sort of other other groups? I mean, I know you've been involved in, as an activist for, for some time. So w- what were some of the things that you were uh, more involved directly on as an activist um, before launching um, ALA? During that time, uh, we're talking about, what was it, 13 years, 12 years ago, I was very politically aware. And I was uh, living in the Orlando area, and I was, I was trying to get involved in libertarianism, <laughs> if, if that surprises you. I, I was just very disillusioned by the uh, Democrat-Republican two-party voting system here in the United States, and I was trying to find new ways to make a difference. And uh, I found out that that was just kind of another party, and it really wasn't doing anything different than, than the two uh, puppet parties that I had former uh, issues with. So after these, some of these issues, uh, the getting involved with animals and, and, and the sea world issue, I started writing online on different forums uh, in support of Sea Shepherd because I'd always loved whales, which was one of the reasons I used to go to SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize the wonderful impact that groups like Sea Shepherd were making, and I, I tried to understand why they were being attacked publicly so much for doing what they do. And it, it really expanded my awareness in, in regard to how society sees animals, views animals, and how we treat animals and why. And I, I just came to a point where I had to do something. And that's when I began writing. That's when I began, began attending events here and there, you know. Uh, and this, the time frame, which was your original question, that's, that's, that was about 10 years ago was when all this really began. Now, I had been involved in different uh, campaigns and, and, and writing online and, and doing different things for about, oh, I want to say four or five years before I met Marla. And when I met Marla, she had already started the StopCrush.org campaign, and we uh, we dove into that, and we, we agreed on a lot of issues, uh, some of the issues that we've already talked about here, um, you know, the, the isms and everything. Yeah. So we hit it off pretty well, and we decided that we were going to have a, a partnership with this because we really complemented one another. And the StopCrush.org campaign kicked off on its own. Obviously, you understand that issue. It's uh, a horrific issue. Well, yeah, let's 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 dive into that, and we're sort of on it now. So, because one of the things you mentioned already earlier is is sort of some of the virtues of advocacy, activism, et cetera, of the internet. On the other hand, one thing the internet has wrought kind of in other ways is is the sort of vastly increased ease of distributing and and watching, I guess, uh, pornography. So, yeah, an ongoing major uh, campaign is StopCrush.org, which uh, through striving through legislation and other means to ban videos that represent this kind of horrid collision of animal cruelty and human depravity. So maybe since we're, we're, we're on that now, maybe you could just sort of briefly outline what those videos are to whatever extent, probably minimally, that you want to describe them. But more to the point, what, what the Stop Crush campaign really involves, including the Animal Crush Prohibition Act of, uh, of 2010 or yeah, 2010. I'll, I'll keep the description as short. 
straightforward and painless as possible because it's horrific, and I, I know that. Animal Crush videos, they feature scantily clad or naked women who are basically torturing and crushing animals to, to death. And it is generated for the prurient interest, which basically means that men are uh, pleasuring themselves to the, to the view uh, of these videos, watching these videos. And in 2010, we helped to push for a law banning the videos in basically the same way child pornography is banned. And I know it doesn't seem like that right now because people are still posting the videos and the images all over the place, um, even activists. And we don't go after activists who post them. We try to ask them politely, please take them down, you know, because we fought to stop this. It's right now it's still in a battle to make this law be respected in this in this country and around the world because, uh, well, first of all, Judge Tim Lake out uh, of Texas ruled against the law in a recent Animal Crush video case, a blatant Animal Crush video case, and we were forced to push it to appeal along with the HSUS and the Animal Legal Defense Fund. We each filed uh, amicus briefs in order to try to overturn Judge Tim Lake's ruling. The hearing went through. We were all able to listen to the hearing. I could supply you with a link to that later if you like. Uh, and we're going to have to wait on their ruling to see if they overturn it. And even if they do overturn it, we are probably going to have to, even if we win, we're probably going to have to fight that in, at the Supreme Court level. If the Supreme Court allows their appeal, and if they win and it isn't overturned, we're probably going to take it to the Supreme Court level. So a couple of things. One is that, on the one hand, anyone listening who hadn't heard of, of Crush videos, I, I, I apologize for robbing you of your probably last vestiges of innocence. Exactly. But uh, on the other hand, if you're just hearing about it today, again, uh, pretty, pretty awful. But the thing is, uh, I don't know to what extent you can sort of quantify this, Anthony, because I guess by the very nature of the practice, and, and legislation pending is probably possible, really. But I mean, it, I, I gather this is way more widespread than anybody that that isn't twisted uh, would ever imagine. Yes, and that's part of the um, that's part of what's been difficult for us to explain to people. But we have been able to show the court. <laughs> We've been able to show the the federal court how widespread it is. We, we're I, I can't really discuss what was in the closed portion of our amicus brief, um, but we supplied empirical data that the HSUS and the ALDF didn't have because we've been at this for so many years and recording so much of what was out there. We just had files and files and files of it uh, locked away because that's what we did. We, we, we spent years undercover recording information, recording uh, undercover conversations with some of these crush freaks. That's the way I refer to them. Um, and we supplied them with literally thousands of stills and whatever they needed to prove that this was a real widespread problem, that it was generated specifically for the prurient interest. So, uh, and, and the Animal Legal Defense Fund, they definitely did their share, and so did the HSUS. They did their part, and, and we supplied our part that was necessary to try and overturn this ruling. And yes, it is very widespread. It happens all over the world. Um, some countries more than others, and uh, the problem isn't necessarily the, it's not necessarily the act for us. It, it is, and we're not excusing the quote-unquote models, but we want, we're, we're, we target the producers and the consumers, the people who buy it, because let's face it, do you really want a man who, who buys this stuff and gratifies himself to this stuff living around the corner from your children and your pets? Uh, no, I, uh... 
I, I don't want them around <laughs> under any circumstance. Exactly. But uh, so, so Anthony, let me let me ask you this because whether it's uh, Judge Lake or, or or anything else, at least in this country, are we running up against freedom of speech issues? Is that why yeah. someone would say, "Hey, I I can't I can't legally rule against this"? Yeah, this is that's the biggest issue when it comes to StopCrush.org and and any argument against it, and uh, that's why the the original law was uh, taken apart and struck down was because it was widely tailored it wasn't it was wide, it was broad it wasn't it wasn't well tailored it wasn't tailored specifically to target the prurient interest and now it is and we think that the law uh, should remain as it stands, you know, because this is there is nothing redeeming. There's nothing socially redeeming about these uh, depictions and these videos. Well, that's the thing. It would seem like where, wherever the parameters are of, of pornography, the the minute you introduce the element of, of these animals being tortured and, and killed as part of it, it seems like that enters a whole different realm that would be way outside of those protections. Exactly, and it, and it is beyond obscene, which, and the, the United States uh, has a history of banning obscene material, such as child pornography, and why shouldn't animals uh, have the same rights allotted to them? We are, we are here to protect them, you know, that's, it, that's my opinion, anyway. You know, I don't even see your pets as pets, I see them as companions. I just use the word so people out there will understand. Um, but uh, it, it is my opinion that animals should receive more rights and should receive their equal rights. But that's another ball game. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, let folks know, by the way, uh, if you just tuned in, my guest is Anthony Damiano, co-founder and president of the Alliance for uh, Earth Life and Liberty, Iowa. And if you'd like to ask Anthony a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663 or email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. Uh, if you have just tuned in, you've come in, as we've been talking about, ongoing major campaign of theirs called stopcrush.org. Uh, All right, well, we should let people know and, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll come back to some other things, but stopcrush, of course, .org is, is the website specifically devoted to that. Ayala uh, is um, uh, A-E-L-L la.org for a huge huge treasure trove of information and, and resources so okay so let's as you were outlining kind of your sort of um, path that you had traveled i mean one of the things that was clear is that there was a lot of sort of strands that you that you started to kind of weave together right environment yeah. uh animal thing what happened at sea world birds writing so is is that kind of then what sort of naturally led to um the sensibility and, and sort of guiding principles uh of, of founding ala uh yes and i i also think that just being struck with being struck with the the gravity of our situation i mean when when you say that all life is connected again so are all of these issues so so are all of these problems, the animal rights, the environmental, the uh, human rights, the, all of these different issues, they intersect in so many different ways. It, it becomes very daunting uh, just for me to sit here and try to discuss some of the problems that exist, what happens when I try to talk about them, if I want, if I want to talk about the environmental issues that are uh, impacted because of animal-based agriculture, I'm going to be pulled in about 10 different directions 
just trying to speak with you about rainforest destruction, about coral, the, the death of coral reefs, about the draining of wetlands. I mean, I'm just, it's just so expansive, and, and it just, people don't understand. And, and I've always felt that if people just could understand, and I could find a way to get the information out there, and, and Marla feels the same, that some people would really change the way that they view based on a fear for their children's future. And also, I think one of the things that we're talking about here is is that you guys have employed a, a more integrated approach to to the to the well, welfare of animals, both non-human and human animals. So, and like you said, if you start talking about the environment and the rainforest, then we're off on who knows how many other topics, and, and they're not really tangents, but they're just other elements of the conversation. But, but they're also, uh, to me, kind of portals into whichever way you sort of get into having a, a concern about something and therefore being more aware and hopefully changing your own behavior and to the extent you can help uh, with legislation or other things on a wider scale. I mean, how you get there is, is how you get there. So you might be more of an environmentalist, but as you learn more about the environment, you see what happens, factory farming, et cetera. Well, then you see how inevitably those things are linked. And that just seems like sort of a real sort of a premise of fundamental premise of, of your work. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's the thing. It is the way that I approach this, I came into it as an environmentalist who opened his eyes to the fact that in order to be an environmentalist, I had to be vegan. And when I stepped into that vegan world and I started really writing about the issues connected to environmental devastation as they pertain to animal rights issues, animal uh, exploitation issues, uh, I would make statements where people would get people would even get angry with me. I would tell I would talk about publicly how there are too many cows on the planet. I, I was you know I did this a long time ago, and animal rights activists would get mad at me, saying, "Oh, you hate cows," and, <laughs> and no, I don't hate cows. I, animal, cows are beautiful, beautiful, wonderful, loving creatures, and I I love cows, and I don't eat them, <laughs> and I don't. I don't drink their milk because I don't want them exploited. But the point behind it is that there are nearly 2 billion cows on this planet. And cows are not even naturally occurring animals. We created them in the same way that we created the poodle from different wild dogs and, and wolves in the past. And there were never supposed to be cows on this planet, especially not nearly 2 billion of them. You know, cows were generated from oxen, uh, I believe the extinct aurochs. Uh, originally, and they are not supposed to be on this planet, and certainly not in those numbers. I mean, oxen populate uh, any given continent naturally in numbers of tens to hundreds of thousands, not billions. Well, in a sense, you're, you're sort of almost articulating sort of a sort of a slightly backwards uh, supply and demand issue, right? I mean, now there's so many cows because so many people are are uh, eating cows. Yeah, well, there has to be. Yeah. And, and we talk about industrial uh, animal agriculture, and I agree, it's the problem. Um, and you have these new, like this new movie, Cowspiracy, coming out, which I'm very interested in, and I'd, I'd love to help them in any possible way, and I will. I'll support them. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that, the Cowspiracy movie that's uh, about to come out. But... I, I, have, I haven't heard a lot of details about it, but I have heard uh, just a little bit about it. Right, and they're, they're trying to explain to people... Uh, and I think they're touching upon a really good issue, especially when they're touching upon how some of these larger uh, cons uh, conservation organizations are catering to the meat companies and the, and the animal product companies, which is great, um, in, order, in order to gain donation. Uh, but um, I think when we, when we start to get into this and we start to understand the gravity of the situation, we start looking at the actual resource cost of 
generating these products, this is when people start to come around. You know, this is when people start to see, or at least it, it changes their view. A lot of people don't believe in climate change, especially in this country, and they don't want to understand it. They don't want to listen to it. There's, you know, half the country is very conservative on the issue. Uh, but when you talk about the resource issues, sometimes it, it, it actually connects with them. Yeah, I thought of, I thought of actually our, our sort of pending conversation uh, yesterday when, when a lot of the headlines were about the more official acknowledgement of, of climate change and all the things that are being affected by that. It's like, well, yeah, we're uh, <laughs> a slow to I guess come to an official position on that, but it's probably going to be, I would hope, harder and harder for the climate change deniers to uh, maintain their, uh, you know, cling to their uh, positions. So, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I guess that's what I mean, too, about the portals is that whatever you sort of care about can, can you know, you can enter that way. So if it's the environment, maybe more than animals, or if it's the financial implications, however you get there, I mean, once you kind of enter that world, then hopefully you can see the, all the strands that, that are uh, connected to those things that, that, that allowed you entrance. Well, that's the thing. There's so many strands to it. Yeah. You talk about the, uh, the, the resource demand. I mean, just one pound of beef requires, what, 16 pounds of grain and, and about 2,000 gallons almost of water. Uh, some people say more. I, I, I just kind of go with that number because it's a, a reasonable estimate. And then we, when we talk about climate change, people are so concerned about the carbon dioxide that's being pumped into the atmosphere through cars. Well, in 2012, there were only about a billion cars on the planet. There were well over a billion cows. And cows, uh, just in their nature, they produce more in regarding greenhouse gas effect in one day than an SUV driving 30 straight miles. So when we look at that, and then we couple it with the carbon that's pumped into the atmosphere through rainforest removal, which actually is far beyond our, our global human, tra human transit system, the, the, the carbon that's pumped into the atmosphere through deforestation, it, it completely overshadows what our cars are pumping out the back end every year. So, I mean, we, yeah. we're not even, you know, when, we, when we're worried about our cars pumping uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, we're not even scratching the surface of the real problem. And, and that's why I think movies like Cowspiracy will help, because they touch upon those subjects and they explain them. Uh, quite well. I, I see that they're planning on going in that direction. Well, let uh, Anthony, we're hurtling towards the end of our time already. Let me uh, get at least some calls and, and emails involved here. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Anthony Damiano. Hi, is it me? Yes, go ahead, please. Thanks. Oh, hi. I came in late to the show, so I apologize for asking, and I'll take my answer all off air. The, the, the subject you were discussing was crunk, and I, it sounded like the equivalent of an adult snuff film, and I just kind of wanted to clarify what you were talking about. And I'll hang up and take my answer. Okay, yeah, we, we did cover that. But, Ben Anthony, if you want to quickly respond. Thanks for your call. Yeah, we're, we're, what we're speaking about is animal crush video. Again, uh, it is a, it's an illness. <laughs> and if you go to stopcrush.org, that's S-T-O-P-C-R-U-S-C-H dot org, um, you will find out more about animal crush video and what you can do to help us uh, fight it globally. And basically what animal crush videos are, uh, they feature scantily clad women who torture and crush animals to death, and, and people buy these videos uh, for a sexual interest. And, Anthony, uh, 
this this email came in actually when we were on that topic, but maybe now I will uh, go ahead and read it since we're sort of uh, briefly um, back on Crush Videos. So this says, Hi, Duncan. Why not go after the sickos who view the Crush Videos? They are obviously pretty sick and twisted to get their rocks off on such depraved material. If you go after the people who buy the videos, then I hope you'll take away the demand. Yeah, and that's what you and I spoke about earlier. That That's... The main focus of StopCrush.org is to criminalize all dealings when it comes to the videos, even the purchase. Uh, we're not just going after the quote-unquote models. Because, first of all, a lot of the models, um, quote-unquote, again, uh, in these videos, they're abused women, they're drug women, and some of them, uh, actually a good portion of them from, from our investigations are underage. All right, so let me uh, get to another email, and then we'll have uh, hopefully time for just another question or two. But So this one uh, wrote in, uh, this is a great conversation. I wish more people had that kind of moment, uh, referring to when you sort of described your uh, uh, SeaWorld moment, I believe, yeah. uh, when seeing captive animals. How do you steel yourself against losing hope in humanity? Thank you for your work and spirit. That's that's a hell of a question. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, why I want to be sure to get in before we run out of time because I, I felt the same way. Yeah. All right. Here's here's the best answer I can give, and that is to um, to rely and on people that still have hope and compassion in them. Uh, they give me strength. You know, whether it be people I'm working with, I can look over and I can see someone who is passionate about life. I can see that there's hope in the world. Or I see children doing wonderful things. That really helps me because that gives me hope. And I keep busy. You know, I, yeah. keep, I keep myself moving in different ways, you know, and, and I, I keep fighting. And, and, and while I'm fighting, I keep running into people who are also fighting. And these people give me strength. They give me hope. Everybody out there who supports us and, and you know, is, is there behind us or beside us, those are the those people give me strength. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's that's great. And again, I sort of alluded to this, but but we want to make sure people know that the website a l a e l l a dot org. And again, we've already mentioned stopcrush dot org, which is also featured within the. Uh, website but again just a rich sort of trove of resources videos uh, writings uh, links uh, other information so yeah uh, there'll, there'll be there'll also be some more all-inclusive um, articles on ALO very soon I, I took down a number of articles that I'm going to conglomerate into one large resource for people okay where it actually has uh, what I feel is is a is a more inclusive uh, uh, explanation of impact that animal agriculture has on global environment. So it'll be it'll be up pretty soon. And and also, Anthony, one quick question. We're actually like over our time, but I be, wanted to be sure to address this, and this may tie, tie back into our uh, website conversation. Um, how are your uh, efforts funded? Is it strictly donations, or are there any other monies or grants that you have uh, access to? Or yeah, right now we've gone. Right now we've gone. It's it's all strictly donation, um, and we. We haven't really been very good at asking for money. We we haven't learned how. Okay. We don't know how yet. We don't have a money making department. It's just it's just the few of us here trying to do what we need to do when we need to do it. And the most that we've ever taken in was the the five thousand dollars that we needed to pay our lawyer to uh, to do the appeal for StopCrush.org. But we we got that money up in a couple of weeks. People are very passionate about the issue, and as soon as we asked for it, money just started coming in. Yeah. Well, then we want all the more. I assume that if, if people go right now to the website and are inclined to donate, there's there's a simple way to do so. Yes. In, right. in the right hand column of either website, there, there there is a donate button. 
Okay, great. One more time. That's AELLA.org or StopCrush.org. We've been speaking with uh, Anthony Damiano, Alliance for Life, Liberty, and Advocacy. Thank you so much, Anthony, for making the time and all your great works. And uh, and hang in there and keep uh, keep going. I really appreciate the opportunity, and we will, Duncan. Thank all right. You. Thank you so much. In uh, just a few minutes, we'll hear a zesty toe-tapping animal song, maybe uh, paw-tapping in this case. But right now, let's step into the Talking Animals Comedy Corner. Jim Gaffigan just premiered his new special, which reminded me of a great piece from his last special. Mr. Universe. Here's a portion of whales on today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals. I've been trying to swim a lot, you know. You always hear swimming's the best exercise, but have you seen how fat whales are? <laughs> whales, they're like swimming all the time. It's not working, whales. Not working. <laughs> whales always kind of sound depressed, don't they? <laughs> Rejected by eHarmony. <laughs> my Facebook friends forgot my birthday. <laughs> Why am I so bad at hide and seek? Fish always find me. Wouldn't it be great if we found out whales were in complete denial about how huge they are? Mm, it's mostly water weight. <laughs> A lot of water weight. <laughs> Once after a show, someone came up to me and they're like, you know, whales aren't fat, they have a layer of blubber. I thought calling myself Big Bone was a cop-out. <laughs> blubber, that's like the opposite of muscle. It goes like muscular, tone, flabby, and then like a mile away is blubber. <laughs> fat made a noise, would be blubber. Damn you, Plankton, you don't even taste good. Plankton, that can't be that high in calories. That's gotta be frustrating for some whales. All they eat is plankton. I only eat plankton. You know, the fish are like, and cupcakes. <laughs> Just plankton sprinkled on pizza. It's mostly water weight. <sighs> That was Jim Gaffigan with part of a piece called Whales, taken from his previous special, Mr. Universe. Now, for a bonus animal song, I'm offering yet another sample. Colossal lineup, Tropical Heat Wave, 60 bands holding forth across Ybor City this Friday and Saturday, May 9th and 10th. 40 bucks in advance for both nights to get in on this. Hit WMNF.org or call 813-238-8001. See you there. Here's a rip-snorting animal tune from one of the bands playing Heat Wave. Victor Wainwright and the Wild Roots with Big Dogs Running This Town on Talking Animals. All your life you've had a dream of fame and fortune Celebrity on the race of the top You can't get off the ground Hey little dog, the big dogs running this town the pavement and hit the streets Knock on the doors, don't hear a beep Nobody knows you You ain't paid your dues Heads up dog It's time you heard the news Big dog run Big dog run Big dog run Big dog run Look out little pup Big dog run in this town Thank you. 
in a three-ring circus Lost in the crowd, you forget your purpose Listen to me, man, you don't know what's going around Look out, little dog, the big dog's running this town Busted flat in New York City Down on your luck, now ain't it a pity Got a one-way ticket on a ship of fools Look out, little dog, it's time you learn to That was Big Dogs Running This Town by Victor Wainwright and the Wild Roots, one of the bands playing Tropical Heat Wave, and one of the many reasons you don't want to miss Tropical Heat Wave this Friday and Saturday. Two nights, 60 bands, 40 bucks. Enough said, except maybe WNF.org for info and tickets. I'm Duncan Strauss. Towards the end of the show, we'll play Name That Animal Tune. The winner will receive a copy of Eel's Tremendous Dynamite, a special live t- double disc collection. It's a wonderful compliment to the brand new Eel CD released two weeks ago, which I'll be giving away next week, as will uh, all the fabulous host of It's the Music. Right now, though, let's uh, ease into some animal news and announcements. First, I want to say May is the National Pet Month, and we'll continue to do some interviews and make announcements geared to uh, National Pet Month in the coming editions of Talking Animals. Meanwhile, I'll uh, be a guest this Monday, May 12th, on Life Elsewhere, the fast-paced uh, magazine show hosted by Norman B. right here on WMNF every Monday morning at 9 a.m. This conversation will be tied to National Pet Month, so we'll talk pets, we'll talk animals, we'll talk talking animals. So I'm looking forward to it. That's this Monday, May 12th on Life Elsewhere with Norman B. 9 a.m. on WMNF and WMNF.org. So last week, Congressman Jim Moran introduced the Traveling Exotic Animal Protection Act that would finally put an end to wild and exotic animals in traveling circuses. The new bill passes. The U.S. would join 30 other countries around the world that have already passed similar bills, including Austria, Belgium, Greece, India, Bolivia, Colombia, and Panama. TIPA, that's the acronym for the bill, is also gaining support from several celebrities and actors such as longtime The Price is Right host Bob Barker. Congressman Moran is a wonderful, I've uh, been at some conferences where he's uh, spoken, and a huge longtime animal advocate, and unfortunately announced his retirement recently, so let's hope uh, before he leaves office this bill goes through. So, uh, Hats off to uh, Congressman Moran. Now, on a lesser uh, legislative note, I heard from our uh, our friend Don Goldstein, the great uh, Greyhound uh, advocate, part of the uh, Greyhound Rescue and Adoptions of Tampa Bay, or great. He wrote a, a fantastic uh, letter to the editor, ran in the Tampa Tribune yesterday. I'm just going to briefly read it here. Once again, our Florida legislator had the opportunity
opportunity to do the right thing, but found a way to fail. By the way, the headline of the letter is House Fails to Protect the Greyhound. Since last May, over 100 Greyhounds have died as a result of racing in Florida, and the tragedy is that very few people are watching those races or betting on the results. The races are held so that people can play poker or use slots due to an arcane law in Florida requiring tracks with card rooms to have live races. This year, the Senate considered a bill that would require the Greyhound industry to report injuries to Greyhounds as a result of racing, not just the deaths. Florida is one of only two states that do not require such reporting. Alabama is the other. And where such reporting is required, the number of injuries and deaths has been drastically reduced. On the last day of the session, the Senate passed the bill 40 to zero and sent it to the House where Speaker Will Weatherford from Wesley Chapel refused to let it come to the floor for a vote, even though he had time for a quote-unquote greatest loser contest, innumerable selfies, much padding of backs, and 30-minute long pauses with no legislative action. They had plenty of time to make the Greyhound racing industry acknowledge the injuries it causes to these magnificent gentle dogs, but Weatherford did not allow it and he should be ashamed. Don Goldstein. Hell of a letter, and by the way, if you want to call uh, Will Weatherford's uh, district office and let him know your disappointment in that, 813-558-5115. Phone number for Speaker Will Weatherford, who uh, let this uh, sort of pass in this sort of horribly embarrassing way, 813-558-5115. I mean the opportunity pass, not the bill, obviously. And uh, lastly, Cinco de Mayo was Monday, but we still have Cinco de Meow which is Hillsborough County uh, Pet Resources Division celebrating uh, Be Kind of Animals Week and adopt any of their festive felines. I can't say the price, but it's incredibly, incredibly low through Mother's Day, Sunday, May 11th. And the fee of this incredibly low price includes spay neuter surgery, microchip, rabies vaccination, and pet registration. Get in on that. Adoption hours are 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. HillsboroughCounty.org slash pets. Similarly, uh, Friends of Strays are, uh, are doing a uh, cool The Luckiest Cat of the Month. So anyone who adopts a cat this month will be in to uh, win either a Friends of Stray t-shirt, Friends of Stray's Top 10 Reason to Adopt a Black Cat t-shirt, or their choice of gift certificates. So go to friendsofstrays.com or find them on Facebook to find out more about that. But it's time to adopt some animals, is it not? All right, I'm Duncan Strauss. You're listening to Talking Animals, where the website is talkinganimals.net. And uh, let's play Name That Animal Tune. You could win a copy of this cool double uh, live eel CD if you can name this animal tune. Eight one three two three nine nine six six three, and it's name that animal too. Talking animals. Anybody calls in, we'll take it off the air. So we have just about reached the uh, end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. I'll be back next Wednesday, May 14th, when my guest will be Amy Howland, co-founder of Dogma Pet Rescue, which swoops in and rescues dogs that have to go, have had a rough go or in a bad way, maybe otherwise prime candidates to be euthanized. That's next Wednesday. Otherwise, go to TalkingAnimals.net, Facebook pages there, Twitter feed and more. Like us on Facebook. Uh, also here archives. You can sign up for iTunes podcasts of past shows. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers. WMNF. And if I'd had more time, tried to squeeze a lot in today, I would have played Sons of Hippies, a huge favorite of mine, with another animal song, Animal Battle, but they're on Tropical Heat Wave too. So we'll see you at Heat Wave. We'll see you on Norman B. Show Monday morning at 9 and back here next Wednesday at 9 a.m. on Talking Animals. Thanks.